We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for joining me today. Feels like we should sort of be used to this by now. A Packers devastating loss in January. And we've been here before. We've definitely experienced this before, but it certainly does not get any easier. It doesn't get any less disappointing. It does not get any less frustrating. Packers ultimately fall at the hands of the Detroit Lions, 20 to 16. They go to eight and nine on the season. A Lions team that, let's be real, had nothing to play for other than pride. They were eliminated from the playoffs mere minutes before kickoff and yet played with a lot more passion a lot more intensity, and a lot more pride than the Green Bay Packers did, despite having home field advantage, despite having an opportunity to go to the playoffs. It was the Lions that won, it's the Seahawks that'll go to the playoffs, and it's the Packers that have nothing but disappointment and failure and shame, quite frankly, especially with the way that they handled themselves in certain situations in this game to show for it in a loss that is not only disappointing, but is completely unacceptable in a season that was also very disappointing and mostly unacceptable as well. I give them credit for fighting back after a four and eight start, after going on a four game winning streak and having an opportunity to get back in things and win a game to get in the playoffs. But this is far too often that this has happened. And this is another season that has ended on your home turf at Lambeau Field in a must-win situation or in a win-and-go or lose-and-go-home situation. And they have nobody to blame but themselves again, which has normally been the case in their playoff losses more often than not. Give credit to the Lions. They played hard. They played with pride. They played fun. They played energetic football. They did absolutely everything that the Packers didn't in this game. This game came down to Packers' mistakes, and it was far too many Packers' mistakes and it wasn't even a lot of like, there's a one big play to what Khalif Raymond down the field from the Lions. 
there's nothing even in this game that makes you be like, man, Lions came out and just dominated this game. No, it was Packer mistake after Packers mistake after Packers mistake. And the issue ultimately at the end of this day was that it was the, the, the Packers team that showed up to this game was the Packers team that went one in seven from October 9th to November 27th. That was the Packers team that showed up to this game. Not the, the team that won four in a row and looked really freaking good against the Vikings a week ago. And listen, maybe some of that four-game win streak is fool's gold, right? Especially in hindsight. You've got a, a Bears team that's just really, really bad. You've got a Rams team with Baker Mayfield and just is completely banged up and injured coming into Lambeau off of a, a Packers bye week. You've got a Dolphins team with a concussed to a tug of Iloa in the second half. And you've got a Minnesota Vikings team that really had nothing to play for at that point. They, you deserve credit. There's no easy wins in the NFL. I don't care what week you're playing. I don't care who you're playing against. There's no easy wins, but maybe some of that was a little bit fool's gold. And when it came down to it, when they had to have a win at home, it's the Lions team that you knew was going to fight tooth and nail despite being eliminated from the playoffs. They simply couldn't get the job done. And the issue was that the same trends, the same issues that have been happening all season long, tackling, dumb mistakes, red zone issues, poor blocking, especially in the red zone in the run game. All those things reared their ugly head again. And the Packers once again are eliminated in a game that they had every opportunity and every right to win. But it was the mistakes of the Green Bay Packers that really kept Detroit alive in the first half and allowed them to win in the second half. I mean, you could see, we've, we've seen this story before where Green Bay allows a team to hang around and just doesn't play their brand of football. Man, that game should have been like 20 to three at halftime. That game should have been like 20 to three, at least like 16-3, 20, like 20, like somewhere in there, 17-3. I, I don't care, but they should have had a firm lead in the first half and they just completely let it slip through their fingers and instead were only leading nine to six at halftime. And again, this comes down to Packers mistakes. Let's just list some of these. Fourth and one, early in the game, deep in your own territory, a end around to Alan Lazard. Not Alan Lazard's fault, but I hate this play call so incredibly much. And listen, it is very abundantly clear that they had something on tape that they saw that these end arounds were going to work extremely well. These reverses were going to work extremely well, that they were going to be able to outflank this Lions defense. The only issue is that it didn't work at all. And that the Lions were completely all over it, played it near perfectly all game. I think Watson got like six yards on the first run. And basically after that, the, the play just didn't work, including in a crucial fourth down situation. The reason I hate that call, listen, maybe if they got the, the look that they saw on tape that they scouted ahead of time, maybe that ends up in a crazy Alan Lazard, like 65 yard touchdown run. And we're all talking about it, how that was the, the catalyst to a Packers victory on the day. But the reason I don't like it, even with the benefit of hindsight, you can say, well, yeah, if they would, it would have picked it up, we wouldn't have been talking about it. Sure, that's true. But the reason I don't like it is it gives you no outs, especially handing it off to Alan Lazard. And you could say like, you're trying to take him by surprise. I get it, whatever. Like apparently the only, you know, people in the stadium that ever would have expected them to hand it off on an Alan Lazard end around were the Detroit Lions. I don't think anyone else expected them to actually hand it off on that play, but kudos to the Lions for playing it well. And, but the reason I don't like it is it gives you no opportunity to, for anything else, right? It's like a screen pass, right? You, you set up a screen pass and if it sets up right, you throw it to the running back and he gets a nice gain. But if they read it at all and a linebacker picks it up quickly or the defensive tackle goes with the running back, you just got to throw it at his feet. There's no other option on the play because you've got you know, linemen down the field. If you throw downfield or to somebody else, it's going to be an ineligible man downfield. It gives you no other outs on the play. Same thing with a handoff to Alan Lazard. And listen, again, Lazard, no fault in this play. I don't care who you handed it to. They weren't going to do anything the way the Lions played it. But if you give it to Alan Lazard and somebody's there, Lazard's not a guy that's going to make you miss. He's not going to run through tackles. That's not his skill. So you're not giving it to a player who, if like, even if somebody's there, like he can do anything with it. And it's basically a, if they go for a, a run in the middle of the field and they kind of sink in, you're going to get the first down. If not, you're just completely, totally screwed and you've left yourself no outs on the play. So I, I really dislike that play call. And that's the first thing that went wrong. So a fourth and one that basically, you know, great job by the Packers defense to hold them to three points there. But that's a free three points for the Lions in that situation. Next drive, you have drops by Lazard on a beautiful play, beautiful throw. 
Uh, beautiful execution, all except a Lazard drop, and then a, a Dylan drop, a ball that's right in his hands. Probably was going to pick a, up a first down on the play. Instead, they have to settle for a field goal on that drive. You've got an Aaron Jones fumble, which we'll talk about more in just a moment, that takes points off the board and gives the Seahawks, an, or excuse me, the Lions an opportunity to go down and score before halftime. And that's a, probably at least a six-point swing, if not potentially a 10-point swing in that situation. Then before halftime, after the Jones fumble, as the Lions are going down to, to try to score before half, you have a Quay Walker missed tackle that leads to an additional about 15 yards. If Quay makes that tackle, they probably don't ever end up in field goal range. Then on a key play with five seconds left, remember Lions here have a timeout. Five seconds left timeout. And I get everyone's probably having Kevin King flashbacks and Scotty Miller and allowing another deep touchdown. So you're making sure that something like that doesn't happen. But five seconds left, you cannot play off coverage on those like intermediate receivers, because what they do is they pick up an easy, what, like seven, eight yards on the play and still call the timeout. And now you have an opportunity at a 48 yard field goal, which is makeable. Instead, they would have had to, you know, attempt to hail Mary if you press those receivers at the line of scrimmage. And then the 48 yard field goal becomes a 33 yard field goal because Razul Douglas makes the boneheaded decision to go get involved at the snap because he didn't want to give the kicker a free kick uh, as they were calling the timeout. And when he gets pushed a little bit, he slaps a dude across the helmet. That doesn't help anything. And that was the undisciplined football that this Packers team played with. They were just rudderless. They had no um, ability to stay composed or poised. They played with a complete, um, you know, just lack of common sense, like just stupid, stupid plays. And th th that was a key one that potentially gave Detroit another three points in this game. So you've given three points on the... Lazard uh, fourth and one decision on the, the end around. You've given up at least three points on the Jones fumble. You've now given three points before halftime. That's nine points right there in a game that they lose by four. There's more. Trust me, there's more. You have a Rodgers should be interception to carry Joseph that he drops and actually ends up being a positive for the Lions because they end up missing a field goal later. The Lions probably get better field goal or field position out of that than they would have on the interception anyway. But Horrible decision by Rodgers on that play. Just ends up being a drop pick. You've got a low throw to Romeo Dobbs on a key third down that led to the 53-yard field goal attempt. A field goal attempt that you can probably have a fair question as to whether or not they should have actually attempted in the first place. Probably a better situation to potentially either go for it or maybe punt and pin the Lions deep in their own territory. I get you know sticking with Crosby there. He had a 56-yarder a week ago. He is, what, three for three, I think, at that point in the game. But if you look at the other field goal he had going in that direction, which is like a 48-yarder, I want to say, like that kick barely got there. So then asking him to come out and hit a 53-yarder, you really questioned if he was going to have the leg to do it. He comes up just a little bit short, but that's maybe a, a decision that you'd like to have back. Then you have a Rodgers interception to carry Joseph that gets overturned via penalty, but it's still a really poor throw and a poor decision in that play. You have an awful Romeo Dobbs drop to start the fourth quarter, which just seemed like a harbinger of what was to come for the rest of that quarter at that point. Then you have Quay Walker's ejection, which trust me, we're going to talk about more in just a moment. And then you have Aaron Rodgers interception to end the game. This is, these are not rookies and inexperienced players, like fourth, you know, fourth, you know, running backs on your depth chart because of a ton of injuries or something like that. This is Alan Lazard, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, Quay Walker, who yes, rookie, but still first round pick played a ton of snaps. Razul Douglas, Aaron Rodgers, Romeo Dobbs. Like these are key players on this team that are making massive, massive mistakes when the team needed they're not to be massive, massive, stupid mistakes in a must-win game in a game that they opportunity had an opportunity to get into the playoffs for. It's like I said, it's completely unacceptable. It's disappointing. It's frustrating. It's all of the above, but it just showed a lack of football intelligence. It showed a lack of composure and poise, and it just simply wasn't good enough. So those were just some of the mistakes that were made in this game. Now, going into the game, it had been abundantly clear, as I had made abundantly clear all week long, that red zone production or the production on the Lions' end of the field was going to be key in this game. It was something they struggled with mightily in their first game against the Lions, converting you know situations into goal to go or you know basically red zone situations into points. That was going to be something that was going to tell a story in this game as well. 
Well, let's go through. Remember, the Packers lost two games to the Lions this year. In a year where if they just won one of those two games, they would be in the playoffs and the Seahawks would not. All right. These were the times that the Packers were in the Lions territory this season. They had a first and goal from the Lions five-yard line, zero points. First and goal from the one, zero points. First and 10 from their 45, zero points. First and 10 from their 43, zero points. First and 10 from their 23, zero points. First and 10 from their 27. Finally, they get six. They don't, I think they missed the two-point conversion on that play, but they get six finally. First and 10 from their 14, they get three points. First and 10 from their 17, zero. First and goal from their five, three points. First and 10 from their 25, three points. First and 10 from their 29, zero points. First and 10 from their 38, zero points. First and 10 from their 37, zero points. First and 10 from their 14, seven points. Finally, 14 trips into Lions territory. They get a total, a total of 22 points. And they lost by a total of 10 points in three games. That was the difference between the Packers getting in the playoffs and not getting in the playoffs was their ability to convert points in the Lions side of the field. It should probably be noted that the Lions are one of, if not the worst defenses in the entire NFL. Yet this Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback could not solve that defense to ultimately get them a spot in the playoffs. 14 trips into Detroit territory for a total of 22 points. They lost by a total of 10 in two games. I will say it one last time. Warren Sharp, meanwhile, this is Packers in goal-to-go situations coming into the game. Last in points per possession, last in touchdown rate, last in scoring rate. Again, in goal-to-go situations, last in points per possession, last in touchdown rate, last in scoring rate. This team's inability to score in the red zone, to put points on the board when they're in enemy territory, was one of the keys to this season and maybe the reason that they are ultimately not a playoff team this year. All right, so those were a lot of the mistakes we went over. We also went over the red zone issues. All right, let's talk about fumbles as well. This is a team that generally doesn't fumble all that often. They take good care of the football. Rodgers had a little bit of a spike in interceptions and and turnover-worthy plays this year, but generally they take pretty darn good care of the football. But in their last four games that they were eliminated in, they had a key fumble that turned the tide in all of those games. And those key fumbles have come from key players. 2019 NFC Championship game, a fumbled snap between Corey Lindsley and Aaron Rodgers, two of their best players, was a huge play in that game. Now they probably maybe lose that game anyway, but that was just one of those plays where they had the opportunity to go down and score and it just completely changed the momentum of that game. Again, Rodgers and Lindsley, arguably their you know, two of their maybe three, four best players that season. 2020 NFC Championship game, Aaron Jones, fumble in the second half to start the second half against the Buccaneers, completely changed and swung things in the favor of the Buccaneers. 2021 divisional round game, Mercedes Lewis lost fumble in the first half. They had the lead. They were going down to score. That completely changed the momentum of that game. Then you have 2022, Packers-Lions, Aaron Jones, Packers leading, going down to score, padding their lead before halftime. Instead, it's a fumble, takes three, maybe seven points off the board. And instead, the Lions go down and kick a field goal before halftime, making it a three-point game and ultimately was another huge swing in that game. So a team that doesn't fumble a lot, but you look at their four elimination games, 2019 NFC Championship game, 2020 NFC Championship game, 2021 Divisional, 22 against the Lions, Rodgers and Lindsley, Jones, Lewis, Jones, huge fumbles and huge games. You can argue without those fumbles, maybe three of the last four, they actually win those games if those fumbles don't happen. Just huge plays from huge players at the most inopportune times, which really, really cost them in those games. All right, next, I want to go back for a moment to one of those huge mistakes in this game, and that was the Quay Walker you know, penalty and subsequent ejection. Let me start by saying um, that was one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen, ever for a Green Bay Packer. A completely worthy ejection. Hopefully he's fined. Wouldn't even be upset with a suspension if he was suspended going into next year. 
We are, it would have been a dumb penalty at any time in any game to push somebody from the medical staff that's coming out to help a player. But given the circumstances of this past week, how, I, I don't even know the right word for it. Just how dumb can you be in that situation to put hands on somebody who's coming out to help a player? And I get the players coming out and they're trying to kind of get Quay out of the way. It was not a push by the person. Like it is like a, you know, barely a hand on the back of Quay Walker to try to get to the player who just got a vicious forearm to the head who's laying down on the ground injured. Like Quay, like just remove yourself from that scenario, period. But if somebody's coming in to try to help the player that is down on the ground hurt, maybe don't put hands on that person. This is a somebody from the medical staff. This is not a player. This is not... Like, I don't even know what to say. Like It is one of the more boneheaded, stupid, immature, lack of football IQ, not even football IQ, like lack of just common sense in a key situation and just in like the dumbest of things you could possibly do to push up somebody from the medical staff in that situation, absolutely eject him, absolutely fine him. And we'll see if there's any other consequence to that, but it would have been dumb, like I said, at any time, but in a week where the entire Hamlin situation happened, where we are extra um, appreciative of medical personnel and everything, man, I've, I've never seen anything so stupid. I mean, it is just as dumb as it possibly can get and absolutely agree with the ejection. And that just shows, A, like this team just does not have the fortitude in these games to come through and to like make it through a game where they actually look like they know what they're doing and can hold their composure and have any sort of poise in these key games, in these key situations. That starts with leadership. And I know Matt LaFleur takes that stuff very seriously. I know he legitimately does. But that is the second time Quay Walker has been ejected this season. He's a rookie. Two times ejected in the same season. And in a key situation where your team needs you and you can't have a 15-yard penalty in that situation. And it's just, again, just the dumbest of, of possible situations that you could come up with. That You couldn't write a, a dumber decision than that following what happened this past week. And... That's been an issue for Quay Walker, like just football IQ. And this again was non-football related, but like he's got, like, I hope he learns from it. I, I certainly am willing to give uh, a, a young player some, you know, a, a little bit of, of leeway and just like hope that he learns from it. But again, this is his second time getting ejected this season. He didn't learn from the first one. Got to be better. This is a player that the Packers need to be smart, to have a very sound football IQ, to be the leader of the middle of that defense. That is about the dumbest thing that I've ever seen from a Green Bay Packer on the football field. Bar none, period, end of story. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. 
Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. All right, this week I talked about Lambeau Field and the Mystique. 13 and 0 in their first 13 games at home, not just at Lambeau Field, but at home as uh, the you know the the Packers in playoff history. Eight and seven since. Now this wasn't a playoff game technically, but in you know for all intents and purposes, this is a playoff game or at least something uh, very similar. And once again, they lose at Lambeau Field. This is the third year in a row that they have lost a elimination game. At Lambeau Field, 2020 NFC Championship, 2021 Divisional, and now Lions in Week uh, 18 with the season on the line. No team fears coming in here. No team is worried about Lambeau Field. No team's worried about the cold. No team's worried about the Packers. And even a team like the Detroit Lions who has nothing to play for, and the only thing they can do is spoil the Packers season, even they can come into Lambeau and win that game in 20-degree temperatures. The mystique is gone. And that is something that is a major problem. It has been a problem for a while now, and they've got to find a way to get it back. I talked about it at length this week. If you didn't check the, see the episode, make sure to check it out. But I don't know where you go from here, but it, they've got to change something up. And it just it's just got to be a mentality. They probably need to make a change on how they build the team to make it more of a physical team come January at Lambeau. But teams are coming in knowing that they can out-physical Green Bay. Check Dan Campbell's comments. He's not the first coach to make comments that if you just kind of keep leaning on the Packers, that eventually they'll break. It's not been a mentally sound, uh, mentally strong football team. It's not been a physically strong football team either. And Green Bay is going to have to find its identity moving forward, and they got to figure out a way to win key games at Lambeau Field. Now let's move on to Aaron Rodgers. Lots to discuss here. First of all, let's talk about retirement. What I'll say about Rodgers and retiring, which will be a, a clear topic moving forward, there was nothing that I took from what happened on Sunday night that is a clear definitive, he's done, he's retired, or he's back, he's going to play. I tend to believe that he legitimately isn't quite sure. I'm sure he has a leaning one way or the other, but I don't think he fully 100% knows what he wants to do. I think he definitely made the necessary moves and, and thoughts and everything that if he did retire, that he wouldn't look back and be like, I wish I would have done this different. From walking out with Randall Cobb into the tunnel, from making sure he kept his jersey, some of his comments in the post-game press conference, I think he was prepared just in case this was his final game. I, this has sort of been the same song and dance from Rogers. I'm not saying that in a bad way, just like sort of the same answer we've seen and gotten from him over the past few seasons as to what he's going to do in the off season and take some time to think about it and then make a decision, talk to the Packers and kind of go from there. I think it's the same this time around. I, I lean towards that he'll probably play next year. I lean towards he'll probably be a Green Bay Packer, um, but I don't think that there's anything that you can take away and be like, oh, for sure he's done or for sure he's back. I think this is going to take a little bit of time as it usually does for Aaron at the end of each season. Now, as far as the game goes, one of the things that we've seen just a little bit too much from Aaron, especially as of late, is now you could make, if you wanted to maybe make the argument that they lost this game because of Aaron, okay. Um, certainly was not a great performance from him. And if you want to say he was the one who lost it, okay. But I would say what we've seen more often than not from Aaron is he's maybe not the, the you know, 1A culprit for the player that lost the team the game. But once again, he wasn't the reason that they won the game. And that's been an issue far too much in Aaron's career. And for an MVP player, one of the players that wants and you know can be in the conversation for greatest of all time, or at least one of the greatest of all time, you know, one of the, the greatest throwers of the football that we've ever seen, uh, highest paid player in football, highest paid quarterback, etc. There, with that comes a lot of expectation. With that comes a lot of pressure. 
Aaron Rodgers has not lived up to that pressure in key situations as of late. And that was true in this game as well. It is just what it is. And he did not do enough in this game. It's not a one-person game. It's not all on Aaron. But Aaron did not do enough in this game to win the Packers the game. And he had the opportunity to do that, in my opinion. This is a game where if we saw the Aaron Rodgers that we know can play at a very high level still, that they win this game. And he didn't do that. And if this is just one time, right? Like if, you know, he consistently plays clutch football in clutch games, all right. Like everyone's, you know, bound for a game that doesn't live up to expectations once in a while. This has been a trend. 2020 NFC Championship game, he played pretty well at times, but also had that key fumble, or excuse me, had the, the, a key interception in that game. Uh, 2019 was not his best game when eliminated by the 49ers. Last year was a brutal game against the 49ers. This is a pretty rough game as well. Yeah, there's circumstances that goes into that. The interception at the end, he has a free blitzer right coming right at him because it looks like A.J. Dillon completely botched a blitz pickup. You know, it's still a poor throw, poor decision, but you know, some of that you have to live with. It's third down, game on the line, throw it up to Watson, hope, hope for the best. Probably should have just punted or done something different. You can't just give him all forgiveness on the play, but um, just wasn't good enough. It just wasn't good enough for Aaron Rodgers. And that has been something that we've seen a lot this season. Per ESPN stats, Rodgers in one score games this season, 54% completion percentage, worst of his career, 5.5 yards per attempt, worst of his career, two touchdowns, two interceptions, worst ratio of his career. In big moments, in fourth quarters, games on the line, one possession games, one score games, he was his worst completion percentage, worst touchdowns to interception ratio, worst yards per attempt. Wasn't good enough in key moments for this team this year. Again, top player, highest paid, MVP, a lot of pressure. He didn't live up to it. And then you look at his overall body of work. Aaron Rodgers' last 300-yard game was in week 10 against the Bears last year. 2021. Hasn't had a 300-yard game since. His most was a 280-yard game against the Lions and arguably one of the worst games of his career earlier this year. His last six games of the season, his yardage, 140 yards, 182 yards, 229 yards, 238 yards, 159 yards, 205 yards. Three of the his last six games were under 200 yards passing. His most was 238. Failed to hit 240 in any of them. You might say, again, you know, no Devontae Adams, but like the offensive line, pass protecting has been really good. We've seen some of these playmakers make some pretty big plays. Aaron's got to be better. He hasn't. Like great Aaron Rodgers lucks into like three or four 300 yard games just by mistake, just like by accident. No 300 yard game since week 10 of last year. Yeah. Devontae Adams not having him plays a part in that, but like this is not a just a Devontae Adams offense. This is an Aaron Rodgers offense. He's got to be better. He has not been this year. And the truth of the matter is we saw a pretty distinct decline from Rodgers this year. And anyone wants to say, oh, Andy, you're just a Rodgers hater or it's because of the vaccine, I'll have you know, I've been grading the Packers for some time now. And in every year leading up to this year, 2018, 2019, 2020, 21, 2017, actually, if I'm going back and remembering correctly of how many years I've done this now, every single year, massive Rogers grade, massive Rogers grade, massive Rogers grade, massive Rogers grade, massive Rogers grade. Even last year and the last, you know, COVID years, vaccine years should have been the MVP last year, massive grade this year, basically neutral with one game to go. I haven't graded this game yet, but basically a neutral grade, a massive, massive, massive fall off from where he has been in previous seasons. Even some of those last years under Mike McCarthy graded far better than this season did. Just hasn't been the same. There's been a distinct decline. If you look at this season and this body of work as a whole, one of the things that you can make the mistake of, and it's very easy to do, is that you can look at the two or three flash plays per game and you can say, look at nobody else is making those throws. Or at least maybe it's like Mahomes, Allen, and Rodgers, and that's it. And that's true. You will see the throw to Dobbs in this game that Dobbs dropped down the sideline. That's a 
That's a special throw. Not many quarterbacks are even attempting it, much less completing it or have an opportunity to complete it, putting it right on right on the money. But you cannot just look at the two or three flashy, awesome Aaron Rodgers plays and forgive the mediocrity that's been taking place in the rest of the season, because that's what it's been with far too many turnover-worthy plays. As we saw in this game, again, three of them and almost a, what probably should have been a, a sack fumble as well. Not all on Aaron either, but too many sacks taken, too many turnover-worthy plays, and not enough to make up for it on the back end. Even the Aaron Rodgers or the, the Alan Lazard touchdown, crossing play, Lazard coming wide open, easy to identify. Instead of hitting him in stride, hitting it ahead of him, easy touchdown in the back of the end zone, throws it behind him. Lazard has to make a, a difficult contested catch. That's just, in like the ball is, watch it, it's like wobbling. The arm strength isn't there. It's just not the same Aaron Rodgers. And this is going to be like the, the Green Bay Packers have to take a very serious look at this. And you listen, he can't get cut. The trade is going to be extremely complicated and he could retire, but more often than or like more likely than not, he's back. So um, they've got to figure out a way to make that work because this has not been the same Aaron Rodgers. We saw a very steep decline this season. It doesn't give me pleasure in saying that. I wish I was talking about Aaron Rodgers having another MVP caliber season and going out and winning a Super Bowl and riding off into the sunset. That would, nothing would give me more joy than to be talking about that at the end of this year instead of talking about this. But that's not the reality of it. That's not what we saw. And the reality is this was a four-point game, 549 remaining, first and 10 on the 21, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, go out and win the game, and that drive ends in an interception. Not all his fault, not saying that it is, but instead of, like I said, you can't point, I think, I don't think you point to Aaron and be like, that's, that's the guy that's, you know, enemy number one. He's the reason that this team isn't winning. But for, far too often you can point to him and say, he's not the reason that they're winning. And that's an issue when you're making him the highest paid player in football. And unfortunately, if he does retire or end up with another team somehow, he would join Brett Favre in having their last pass as a Green Bay Packer be unfortunately intercepted in a elimination game. So hopefully that is not the case. Now, maybe your thoughts are that, hey, this is a major issue for like, maybe Aaron Rodgers is the one to blame. Maybe you fall more in the, this is Matt LaFleur's fault. Maybe you think it's Goody's fault. Maybe you think it's Joe Barry's fault. The truth is that who to blame is a very difficult question to ask and what to do about it is even harder. And this is something I'll get into much more as the weeks go along. But the four main culprits that the talking heads on TV, on the radio, on podcasts, on right, you know, wherever you're reading your Packers articles, all of it are going to focus on the four key guys, LaFleur, Rogers, Joe Barry, Brian Gutekunst. And deciding and figuring out where to place blame isn't really easy because there's the truth is there's blame to go all the way around. Matt LaFleur had a very good football team, and this is a team that lost seven out of eight when it mattered most and had a very steep decline this year. There's blame on Matt LaFleur here. His offense did not live up to expectations at all. We just talked about Aaron Rodgers and his decline and not playing at the same level when he's the highest paid player. Joe Barry is a defense that had a lot of talent, a lot of weapons, and it took far, far, far too long for those that defense and those weapons to actually start making some noise at the end of this season. Brian Gutekunst, probably not the perfect Devontae Adams replacement plan and some really poor draft picks in previous drafts coming off a really great draft this year, but some of the Amari Rodgers-esque picks that are already off the team, there's some red flags there as well. Like I said, the truth is that there's blame all the way to go around. But the problem is, is that you can probably look at this team this year, say eight and nine wasn't good enough, and there probably needs to be a significant change somewhere, right? But who and how and why? Because I can guarantee you that Matt LaFleur is not getting fired, nor should he be after three consecutive 13-win seasons and playoff performances, and even fighting and getting this team back after going four and eight and getting four wins in a row to have an opportunity at the playoffs. He's not going anywhere, like I said, nor should he, but that sort of eliminates one of your options, right? Brian Gutekunst just signed a contract extension like Matt LaFleur did in the offseason, coming off maybe his best draft. At least it looks like it definitely could be with guys like um, 
Christian Watson and Zach Tom and Enigbare and like that, that you're seeing some serious signs from that group. Had some key offseason additions and in, in you know almost all of, all of his years at, at least at different times. Probably not moving on from him either, and probably understandably so. Aaron Rodgers, even if you wanted to, it's almost impossible. You can you literally cannot cut him. It the, from a salary cap standpoint, you cannot cut him. Even if they wanted to, they can't cut him. He could retire, but that's not their decision. They could try to trade him, but he could just say I'm retiring. Or he could say, you know, like he could force some issues there too. And even if you try to trade him, the contract is so prohibitive that you probably have to wait until June 1st. And that just becomes really complicated and complex as well. So he probably is in a situation where he kind of controls his own destiny. And then Joe Barry, you could make a strong argument that the only reason this team even had a chance to get in the playoffs at the end of the season is because of Joe Barry's defense. Like, the, the one aspect of this team over the last month plus that has actually given you signs of hope has really been the defense, certainly more so than the offense has. And they have had, they've played some really great football and even kept the Packers in this game when the offense was woefully inept for a good portion of that first half and really just a good portion of the entire game. So like, it's tough to point to Joe Barry and be like, he's the guy when like, he's kind of the guy that actually gave you a chance to get in the play and sneak in the playoffs at the end of the year. And I'm not I'm not necessarily advocating for it, but like it just makes it that much more complicated. And if all of a sudden you decide to keep LaFleur, Rodgers, Barry, and Gutekunst, which again, three like either way, like I think there's a good chance that that happens. Now like what what major move is there left to make? So figuring out who is to blame. Like I said, you can you can point to a lot of things. I don't think it's any one thing, but figuring out how to fix it and figuring out what to change becomes a heck of a lot harder. Um, and then where do you, you know, kind of where do you go from here? Do you want to go and do a full rebuild? Do you want to try to bring this team back? Like that is a major question that this team is going to have to make. They're going to have to figure out an identity and a philosophy moving forward because the, listen, the special teams has gotten to a point where they're not losing games because of the special teams anymore. But it's very hard to win games distinctly because of your special teams. Keyshawn Nixon certainly helped with that. But their special teams took a, a really necessary step this year. That's good. But you're not winning because of your special teams. On defense, all right, what are you? Are you a aggressive, attacking, physical defense? No, that's, that's not what you are. Are you a, like a ball-hawking, playmaking defense? No, that's not what you are. Are you a hard-hitting uh, tenacious rally to the football defense? No, you're not that either. All right, so what what are you? An offense? Are you a power, physical run football team? No. Are you an efficient pass offensive team? No. Are you a playmaking down the field team? No. So what are you? And that's what this team's got to figure out because they need an identity on offense and they needed an identity on defense. And right now they really don't have either. The other thing is I would say, I think they need an emotional leader. I'm not one that buys into the like, oh, I think Aaron Rodgers is a poor leader. I think we've seen far too many examples of Rodgers being a good leader and a good teammate. I don't think he's a very good emotional player or emotional leader. I think he's going to be the guy that rallies the troops and gets everyone together. The issue is I don't think Jaws that guy. I don't think Devondre's that guy. I don't think Razul's that guy. I don't think Kenny's that guy. I don't think Preston's that guy. I don't think Bakhtiari's that guy. I don't think Jenkins is that guy. I don't think Aaron Jones is that guy. I don't think they have that guy. When things get tough, this team seems to kind of fold and just get frustrated and doesn't have that guy that kind of bounces them back up and says like, hey, we got this. We're going to go out and, you know, and, and rally as a team. They rallied as a team when they were four and eight and, you know, got four wins in a row, but in, in game and even sometimes in season where they, again, they lost seven out of eight this year, they need a little bit more emotional leadership on this team. They have veteran leadership. They have good teammates. They need some emotional leadership at times too. That's something that they're lacking. They're going to have to figure out what to do with Jordan Love too, because that is a major decision that is looming as well. One of the other things that I mentioned on Twitter after this game is I think you can make an actual strong argument that this was one of the worst possible outcomes for this season. And listen, I don't think that there's nothing to the four game win streak and meaning that I do believe that winning breeds winning. And I do believe that they were able to um, you know, glean something about the you know, kind of the team in general from winning those four games in a row and getting back into things. I don't think that's completely nothing. I think there's things that you can take away from that. That being said, this is a team that won ugly in their first four games going three and one of the season. Tough to take a lot away from that. Then you lose seven out of eight 
you're four and eight on the year, and it looks like everything's just dead, right? Then you have kind of a little bit of a fool's gold, I think, four and oh, where you beat the Bears, bad team. You beat the Rams, bad team. You beat Tua with a concussion and also might be just a bad team too. And then you beat the Vikings with not much to play for in the game that you definitely played your best football of the year. And then you lose to the Lions right after, like right when they like finally drag you back in where this team has something to play for and you can actually potentially get a win and you're in. They once again have their typical January meltdown at Lambeau Field. And in the meantime, we can talk about draft pick. It certainly hurts their draft pick. Now they're in the middle of the draft, but maybe more importantly, you don't get to evaluate some of these young players as much, specifically Jordan Love. So you end up with the same outcome that we sort of saw at four and eight with them not getting in the playoffs. But in the meantime, you don't get to sort of evaluate your young players and maybe even get a better draft pick out of it. Like I said, outside of like maybe losing the Super Bowl, you can make an argument that this is the worst case where you're middle of the draft, not in the playoffs, and don't really have anything to show for a couple wins at the end of the season that really didn't do anything. But like I said, I'm a little bit more of a believer that you can take something away from those four wins, but make no mistake, eight and nine is not a great place to be in. And especially when you didn't get a chance to evaluate Jordan Love either. All right, let's talk about a positive because I've been not, there's not been a lot of positives to talk about. I don't think I've necessarily been negative. I think there's just not been many positives to talk about coming off this loss, but we do have to talk about a very, very positive on this game and in this season, and that's Christian Watson. Five catches, 104 yards on six targets, another two rushes for 12 yards. Dude is for real. He is a playmaker. He's now making contested catches at the point of attack. His catch down the field was absolutely ridiculous. Also drew a pass interference on the play, came up with a key third down conversion, had another contested catch earlier in the game. Christian Watson is coming along beautifully. He's coming along quicker than planned. And if you go back to that Dallas Cowboys game, ever since then, he has been a legitimate playmaker, a legitimate threat that teams have to worry about. And he is going to be a big deal for the Packers moving forward. That is a massive positive sign. It looks like Brian Gutekunst hit a home run with that trade up in the second round to pick him early in round two. And he has an extremely bright future in Green Bay. Not many positives to take away from this one. Christian Watson remains a massive, massive positive. All right, a couple quick things as we kind of wrap things up here. Um, We were wondering who was going to start at right tackle. Ends up being Yash to start. Didn't really go according to plan. They make the switch to Zach Tom. Probably should have just gone with Zach Tom to start the game. I thought Zach Tom finished better than what Yash obviously started. Obviously, we'll take a look at the grades and go through the tape later this week, but um, we were wondering who was going to get the start. It ended up being Yash, but they make the switch after some not so great play from Yash early in this game. Uh, As mentioned uh, on yesterday's show, as well as in a tweet prior to the game, knowing that this could have been the Packers' last game or at least last home game, there were always going to be some players who could be playing their last game. We have all offseason to talk about who's going to be here, who's not going to be here. Um, Frankly, we just don't know right now, and this is just coming off a loss, but Packers are going to have some major decisions. There's some free agents. There's some void contracts. There's some players who could retire. There's some unrestricted free agents in this list, but some key players that we've known and loved, either just for a short period of time or some for much longer, could have played their last games as, as a Green Bay Packer. Just something to think about. No real commentary on it, but Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Aaron Jones, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, David Bakhtiari, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, Preston Smith, Keyshawn Nixon, Adrian Amos, and Mason Crosby, just to name a few. You look at each year, usually there's about a 20 to 25 player turnover on the roster. Um, Green Bay's certainly going to have some of that as well. Some of that will be bottom of the roster, but some of those players that I just named will not be back. Like I said, some of them will be. Tough to speculate at this point who will and won't, but um, definitely going to be a lot of turnover. And unfortunately, we just saw some of these players play their last games in green and gold, their last games at Lambeau Field, rather than unfortunately being able to see them play in the playoffs, which would have been much, much nicer. Uh, Green Bay ends up with pick 15 in the draft. Not a terrible consolation. Uh, That is a still very premium pick. Not often that they're picking in the top half half of the draft and top 15 in this case. That will be a very major selection for Brian Gutekinds and company. Will they look to trade it up, maybe get in the top 10, pick a very premium player? Will they look to stay where they're at, 
Will they look to move back and maybe pick up some ammunition as they try to rebuild this team with youth? This is going to be a team that no matter what happens is going to need cheap young talent. And the best way to acquire that is via the draft. So Brian Gudikins will have the opportunity to go up and get a blue chip guy, stay where he's at, get a very, very good, you know, talented player, or maybe move back a little bit and pick up some additional draft capital. Schedule this upcoming year. Well, we don't know the schedule, but we know which teams they're officially going to play. They're going to play the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Saints, the Bears, the Lions, and the Vikings all at home. Again, Chiefs, Chargers, Rams, Bucks, Saints, Bears, Lions, Vikings. And their road schedule will be the Raiders, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Giants, the Steelers, the Bears, the Lions, and the Vikings. I think that's going to do it for me today. We had a lot to discuss, a lot to go over. Um, obviously there's going to be a ton more to discuss as the week and the rest of the off season goes along a very, very disappointing and frustrating end of the season. Hopefully, uh, Green Bay has a phenomenal off season and can get back to a level of playoff football next year, but we are now onto the off season. We're on to 2023. And the last thing I want to do before I get out of here today is just say, thank you. It has been a very interesting year for Green Bay but I absolutely loved every second of being able to talk Packers with you guys. I'd probably be doing this if there were only two or three subscribers, but the fact I get to do this and uh, talk to you guys every single day and, and hopefully making it mean, you know, meaningful um, with people who are actually listening and, and subscribing and supporting uh, is certainly really, really important to me. It's something I don't take for granted, uh, being able to cover this team, have a credential, go to press conferences, go in the press box, and um, just cover this team in general is something that is very special and I don't take it for granted. And I just really thank you for being a part of that journey with me. The good news is I do this 365 days a year and we have a ton to go over moving forward. So please make sure to subscribe, like, comment, help that algorithm out. As I mentioned, I will be right back here tomorrow to break everything else down. We'll have a Matt LaFleur press conference and uh, you know player availabilities on Monday as well. So plenty to discuss tomorrow. So like I said, make sure to subscribe. But until next time, and as always, even after a very, very disappointing loss, go Pack Go. is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat call quickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done